Hello all, welcome to Stemming Forward, Happy New Year, welcome to 2021. This is Chris and I'm back at it again and I'm so excited y'all because this episode is the first of our mini-series. So in addition to the material our regular chapters cover, we will also be inserting appendices. Now in a research thesis, you have the option to insert appendices to elaborate on a chapter and ultimately add to your research findings in some way shape or form. Similarly, these additional conversations we will be having will address other aspects of the STEM journey that are essential for your success. Today, we introduce Appendix A. Now, Appendix A will cover everything mental health. Mental health is an extremely important topic, and we here at Stemming Forward know that it is a struggle for a lot of people. But because we have a fear of judgment by others who more than likely don't have it all together themselves anyway, we hide, we downplay, we disregard our struggles. But we want to do our part and break that cycle. Yes, Chris. And y'all know... Our objective is to reach the younger generation and encourage and motivate them to pursue an advanced degree in STEM. But we want to make sure that we're being vulnerable and open about our struggles so that you, the listener, will be better prepared for your own journey in STEM. So y'all, we're going to follow a different format today where we're going to sit down with mental health professionals and ask them questions related to several topics associated with mental health. We will announce each topic that we're covering and ask the mental health professionals to answer questions associated with each topic. Only after a topic is covered will we move on to the next one. We know these questions will initiate a compelling, honest, and transparent conversation. Okay, y'all. Now that we knocked the format out and told y'all how it will flow, Let us introduce our guests, and I'm thankful to be connected with both of these ladies. I met this one, though, in high school, in 2006 to be exact. She graduated from North Carolina Central University with her bachelor's in business administration and management in 2012. She then went on to get accepted into the competitive joint master's in social work program at the University of North Carolina Greensboro and at the North Carolina A&T University and successfully earned her master's in social work in 2017. Now she serves as a school social worker and caseworker for the Wake County Public School System, as well as a caretaker for autistic adults in assisted living facilities. She's also licensed to practice social work in the state of North Carolina. Welcome, Ms. Makia J. Smith. Our second guest also has quite an impressive resume. She earned her bachelor's in sociology from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill in 2011, and then went on to North Carolina Central University and earned her master's of clinical social work in 2015. She opened her own therapy center, Sunu Healing Collectively, and works with people to heal their body, mind, and spirit. She also serves as a social work supervisor at the Durham County Department of Public Health. Welcome, Miss America A. Allen. Thank you both for coming to kick it with us today. We are so excited to have you. Thank you for having us. Glad to be here. Thank you, ladies, for having me. All right. So let's get into it. What compelled you each to come talk with us about mental health? And I'll start with you, Makia. So mental health is definitely an important part of your health, and it definitely plays an important role as far as your productivity, the way you think, and also how you react to things. So I definitely wanted to 
provide you all with some tips and strategies on how to better manage your mental health and give you some advice on things that you can better support people who may be struggling with their mental health. It was important for me to come and talk to you all tonight about mental health because the importance of talking about mental health can not be overstressed. It is important and it is critical during this time that we are able to have open and transparent conversations in regards to our mental health, especially for Black and people of color, so that we can get to a place of removing the stigma um, because mental health disorders and diagnoses are being, especially given the current climate. So it's really important that we start to have these very open conversations. All right. Thank you both for that. And now we're going to hop right in. So I'm going to start with the first topic. And this topic is focusing on daily practices for good mental health. So what could one do in their daily routine to either uphold their good mental health or strengthen their mental health if it's a struggle for them? So question one. What is mental health and why has it been mentioned much more frequently lately? Mental health is something that we all have. And I think when we're talking about mental health amongst us in particular as Black people, right, we tend to kind of shy away from even starting to have the conversation. And the reality is our mental health encompasses all things. So it's our emotional, our psychological, and our social health. And like Nakia was just saying, mental health really affects how we think, how we feel, and how we act. And it also is going to determine how we handle stress and how we're able to relate and engage with other people and really how we see ourselves. So our mental health is also important because it helps us determine our decisions and choices. Um, And a lot of people are bringing up mental health conversations now Because we are noticing that people need more awareness of how to cope with stress and overcome challenges, how to effectively build relationships, and also how to recover from life's setbacks. Thank you for that. Let's move to the next question. How does one find a balance between work, life, and graduate school? So I can start. So personally, I don't think balance is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think balance is a made-up construct that we use to make people, but women in particular, really feel as if they're not doing enough. And so I think it's really important to be able to manage those expectations of the fact that things aren't going to always be 50-50. And there will be some times when work requires a little bit more effort and energy and attention then home is able to give. And really being okay with what that means and what that looks like is going to be important during that time. Yes, and it's definitely something that you have to make small adjustments over time with. So you just have to figure out what works for you. And it can be overwhelming. And that's when we would, you know, advise that you seek support. Definitely can relate to that because, you know, with, Darian and I being in graduate school is like it sometimes overpowers our life and we can't really you know divvy up time Mm -hmm. because graduate school takes up all our time and then we have work that we may do outside and then we have life and then we have family and friends Mm -hmm. and other obligations organizations so it's like so many different things that 
bombard mm-hmm. us basically and require our time and attention. And I appreciate that mental health professionals are saying that there isn't a balance because for me, I call it a work-life harmony because mm-hmm. like you said, I don't think there's a balance. Balance doesn't exist. So it's reassuring to know that balance probably really doesn't exist. <laughs> yes. So next question, how do you manage stress? And you can relate it to yourself. You can relate it to one of your colleagues. Like in general, how do you manage stress? How do you get through the stressful moments in life? I'll start. Some of the things that I personally do is, one, I wake up. I thank God to see another day. But I also just try to wake up with a positive attitude. As I go on throughout my day, I just try to eat healthy. I try to manage my time effectively by keeping a calendar or a plan so I can pretty much organize my tasks. Another thing that I do is exercise regularly, and that helps me keep my stress down. And with that being said, just having enough rest and sleep for the next day and having your body recover. And I would say for me, how I manage stress day to day really depends on the season that I'm in. So, of course, things now with COVID look very different than they did in terms of stress relief. Um, So now a lot of the stress management that I participate in is really around the emotional and the physical health. So meditation, journaling, some sort of body movement on a regular basis. Um, I've really gotten into staycations here lately. And so being fancy in the things and having like a really good meal, like just finding things that create a sense of joy has been incredibly important. And being okay with the fact that sometimes we have to pivot. So what may have worked last year this time to manage stress may not work this year. So figuring out what that looks like. Mm-hmm. That's good. Definitely. All right. So the next question in this topic, a lot of people are young, they're inexperienced with life, they're trying to find their way, but they're still trying to navigate life. So pay bills, go to work, and still are expected to be successful. So I know we mentioned earlier that there isn't really a balance, but more so a harmony. So how does one in this position, you know, newly independent, find a harmony in being an adult, but also being successful? So again, I just want to mention that, like we said before, um, you can't try to change everything at once. So overall, it's just going to take time for you to find that flow. And you can do things like just disconnecting on the weekend, putting your phone down, turning off your computer, and just giving your brain a rest. And all of that is necessary so you can spend time alone. So making time for yourself is one of the most important things that you can do because you don't want to be overworked or you don't want to feel overwhelmed. And it's crucial, especially when you're trying to reduce your stress. Avoiding toxic people is something that I stress to everyone. So just minimizing contact with people who just, you know, are Debbie Downers and being around people who are supportive and positive and people who can also lift you up and motivate you to continue to keep going throughout your day. And I also want to mention just saying no, especially saying no to things that aren't really essential or doesn't add something valuable to your life. Mm. Yes, ma'am. I can agree with that. And I would say, you know, when we are talking about balancing 
adulthood responsibilities. I think a lot of times we have very unrealistic expectations of what adulthood even is because we are basing it on what we saw our mom or our dad do or what we saw our grandma do Mm. or what our aunties and our uncles, like we base it off of the family dynamic. And a lot of times what we really have to do is be clear on, okay, those were the things that they did, that they participated in. I get an opportunity now to decide what my adulthood looks like. And so when we're able to Mm -hmm. identify what those expectations are and making sure that they are our own expectations, not the expectations of other people, but hours and hours alone, Mm -hmm. then it makes it a lot easier to be able to manage it. Because I think we forget as we get older and step into adulthood, you really get to decide what that looks like. Like you get to do that. Mm -hmm. Nobody else. Um, and so really being clear on what it is that you want and then being able to create a plan around that. Absolutely. Definitely agree with that. I mean, it's all about you, honestly, not to sound you know, narcissistic, but it really is like be selfish about you, what you want, what you desire, your expectations. And I think another thing, too, is like we're over analytical about ourselves, like we're our worst critics. So you might see or feel like you should be this this and this because that's what's expected of you from your family members or whatever and I think it's really important to just take it day by day you know sometimes we overplan or we look too far in the future that we forget to be present in the now if that makes sense all right next question in this topic what effective tools can you use or implement to maintain productivity during depressive episodes in graduate school and or in your career? So I would say one of the effective tools may be something that we tend to overlook, and that's just the willingness to check in with yourself. A lot of times we have depressive symptoms and we don't even know it. So we think that, oh, I'm just lazy or I'm uninspired or I'm not motivated or I just don't want to. Right, or I'm irritable and all of these other things. And the reality, a lot of the time, really is there's something else going on. So you can't create a plan around productivity when you're experiencing depressive symptoms if you don't know they're there. So I would say the first thing is always having some sort of emotional check-in system. So that can look like waking up in the morning, checking in with what your thoughts are, Um, reframing those thoughts and reframing them to something that's more positive or something that's more accurate. Because what we know is that our thoughts create our feelings and our feelings encourage our behaviors. And so that's going to be the key right there. Because if I'm thinking I can't do this or I'm lazy or I'm in a bad mood, then everything else is going to follow suit the same way. So it's really hard to show up and be productive if you're shutting yourself down in your mind before your body even has an opportunity to get up. Yes. Another tool that I definitely took advantage of is just being mindful and having conversations with my friends. And what I mean by being mindful is just looking out for my changes, changes in my body, changes in my mental health. And like America was saying, your thoughts, are your thoughts changing? Are they becoming more negative? What can you do to, you know, get rid of those automatic negative thoughts? Um, and, and that's also seeking support. Or you can ask your friends, have they noticed anything? Or some people may just flat out tell you if you have loved ones that you speak with every day, they've noticed something. And hopefully they'll encourage you and motivate you to also seek 
more support. Thank you both. All right. So another question, self-care. What is that? How important and or effective is it? And do you recommend it? Self-care is critical. So self-care is my jam. Let me say that. (laughs) (laughs) And anybody who has ever worked with me, I always have them fill out a self-care template and a self-care plan in the initial session. And that's because self-care, when we tend to think about it, self-care has not always centered the Black experience, right? And so typically when we think about self-care, it's usually the spa days and these fast bombs and this like luxurious thing. And the reality is that self-care is whatever you need right now, right? So sometimes self-care is setting boundaries. Sometimes it's having the difficult conversations. It's paying your bills on time. It's checking in in regards to your budget. And it's also resting and praying and journaling and moving your body. So all of those things are a part of self-care. Like I said, I absolutely recommend it because if we are not in a position of ensuring that our needs are met, it is impossible to be able to show up in the ways in which we want to with mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Especially when you're like the independent one in the family and people are relying on you. And those are the individuals who don't really take advantage of self-care. Um, they just feel the need to just take care of other individuals. People are in a crisis. They're looking for this individual to help them. And it can become an issue where they're just completely ignoring their needs. So like America was saying, this is just something simple that you can do, um, even if it's just taking a moment to just stop what you're doing. Um, take a breath. Just doing things that you know are necessary for you to reduce that stress um, so you don't become overwhelmed. Um, And just being mindful. Um, And like I said before, just telling people no is a part of self-care. Yes. I think what you said about being the independent and the strong one in the family is particularly important when we're talking about self-care because that's not the message that we receive. We don't receive that it's okay to prioritize yourself or check in with yourself and do for yourself. Like we are taught that you are supposed to be a servant. You are supposed to be for other people. And that's the way in which you get your rewards and your blessings. Um, and I think that that's what keeps a lot of us fearful of engaging in self-care because we see self-care as something that is selfish. And I often tell folks that self-care is not selfish, it's selfful. So this is my way of saying that, yes, I want to show up for you. Absolutely. But there is no way I can show up for you if I'm not showing up for myself. So this is me identifying what my needs are so then I can show up as the best version of me for the people around me. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Now self-care is important. We definitely understand that. All right, so this is the last question of topic one. Everyone is stemming forward. We have STEM, and we're in graduate school. 
And we have all these different things that we have to take care of with so little money. And I'm sure that there are people that may or may not be able to afford, you know, expensive therapy sessions or expensive therapists in general. So do you all know of any resources for mental health consultations that are within a reasonable budget or um, something that a grad student would be able to afford? Absolutely. So I would always encourage individuals first to start on a local level. So looking at their local community health organizations or health departments to see if there are any services available there. And then if that doesn't necessarily pan out, if they're searching in directories like Therapy for Black Girls or Black Female Therapists, there are opportunities there to find therapists that are taking pro bono or doing sliding scale services. And I think a lot of times the fear of the payment is what keeps people from even reaching out in the first place. And what people don't tend to know is a lot of therapists do have these sliding scale services available or they have interns that are working with them that are providing services for free. So I think it's really important that we kind of move the fear of the payment situation aside and check in with people because more often than not, there are going to be some therapists in the area that are willing to meet you where you are in terms of your financial needs. Also, the Loveland Foundation, um, they also provide support. So you complete an application through them, and then they give you four vouchers uh, to connect you with the therapist. They pay for that therapist full fee, um, and then your only responsibility, of course, is to show up. Um, and so I've had clients use that as well, and that can definitely be a helpful resource, at least to get you some of that foundational stuff if you're in a crisis situation or even just to build some of that support up in the meantime. I know for me, um, I actually started therapy, and my insurance covers like 75% mm-hmm. of the cost, and I only have a mm-hmm. copay of about 15, 20 mm-hmm. bucks. So that's something I can definitely afford. So I would say checks in the fine print of mm-hmm. your insurance. They may talk about therapy, mental health services type mm-hmm. coverage. That might be worth looking into um, if you're truly interested in finding mental health consultants and getting help within your budget. Group therapy is an option. I think sometimes people don't think about that as a potential option, but even being in a group being amongst other people who may be experiencing similar circumstances, it's going to cut down on the cost, right? So typically when people are doing groups, they're somewhere usually between $25 and $45 a session versus if you have a higher copay or a deductible or if you have some out-of-pocket expenses. And so I think really just looking to see what is available around you. Right. And I think another thing is through universities, the health insurance that you are afforded, sometimes they have free services for mental health and being able to have consultations or meeting with therapists. I know in the College of Engineering, that's something that's been extremely prevalent since engineers experience a lot more stress than some of the other majors um, with anxiety and depression and all of those sorts of things surrounding mental health. We've had mental health consultations where mental health professionals come in to speak just to engineers. And I think a lot of people don't take advantage of those resources that are free. Mm -hmm. And then to expand on that, it's like 
even if you go to your university health services, they do have the option where they will ask you, okay, why are you here? What are you looking for? What are your expectations? And if they do not have the resources or the people that you feel will best assist you with your issues, they have a referral service. So you can ask like what I did. I said, I'm looking for a black therapist because I felt like my experiences as a black woman, I didn't want to have the additional task of explaining how I felt and why I felt the way I felt. But if I had a black therapist, they would already understand because they themselves experienced the same things that I'm experiencing except it's in a different field. So like I wanted someone that identified with me, if that makes sense. I wanted someone where I didn't have to explain my blackness mm-hmm. to them. And so they assisted me in finding black therapists in my community. So if that's something that you need to do, you do have the option through your university health services, the mental health department, they'll assist you in finding community resources that would more readily assist you in what you're looking for. All right, y'all. That was like a really good conversation. And I'm glad that we have started talking about mental health and what it means to really practice amplifying and improving the disparities in mental health awareness. I'm so thankful for both Makia and America for coming on to talk with us about mental health. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedules to sit down with us and answer questions. If you have any questions or comments regarding this episode or you want to be involved with Stemming Forward in any way, please follow us on the following platforms. You can reach us on LinkedIn at Stemming Forward, on Facebook at Stemming Forward, or you can follow us on Instagram at Stemming underscore Forward. You can also email us at stemmingforward at gmail.com. Our guests have chosen quotes to sign off today. So, ladies. If you're walking down the right path and you're willing to keep walking, eventually you'll make progress. Barack Obama. Healing your relationship with yourself is a form of self-care. America Allen. Thank you for listening. And remember, we are stemming forward together.